we're just really blessed that you're here. And uh, like she's already started to share with us that this is the eighth day. This is the last, last day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We're going to look at some passages of Scripture together. Uh, and I've got some notes there for you on your table. And uh, I think tonight will be fun. Uh, you're in for a little treat. Those of you that are visiting, uh, you'll get a little added treat because uh, I'm going to share some things with you about our fellowship and kind of um, uh, what the Lord did uh, with us uh, and even getting us here <clears throat> at this point. And it's uh, pretty fascinating. Anyways, let's pray together before we do anything else. And uh, then we'll open up God's Word together and pray that His Holy Spirit will be here and cause His Word to come to life for us. Amen? So let's, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, Yehovah, we love you very much. So grateful for your grace and mercy and Yeshua, our Savior. Lord, for those that are not able to be here uh, this evening, we pray that you'd watch over them, keep them safe, bless them. Lord, those that might need a healing touch for whatever reason, pray that you would just literally invade their space uh, right now and maybe even their physical bodies. And Lord, that you would touch them and help them and, and heal them and uh, just minister to them as only you can. Lord, we do love you and we praise your holy name because you are worthy to be praised. And we pray all this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. <clears throat> all right, so if you've got either your Bible or uh, these notes here, you'll see once again the listing up here at the top. Um, when we had Passover uh, this last Saturday, we actually covered some of these passages that you'll see there on the left, <clears throat> which is in the Torah reading. It's in Deuteronomy 14. And it carries on over into Deuteronomy 16. In that section of Scripture is the retelling of the people coming out of Egypt, the Exodus. Um, and then the, the passages there on the right, which is where we're really going to spend the bulk of our time tonight, uh, is in Isaiah chapter 10, starting with verse 20, uh, 32, and it goes through chapter 12, verse 6. This is what's called the Haftorah reading. It's the extra readings. And this section of Scripture is meant to be read by those people that are not living in the land of Israel. So it is specifically for people like us. We're not in Israel, right? We're in the blessed area of Raw City, Texas. Uh, and and that's, not a, that's not a bad thing, but... We're not in Israel. And so we're going to march through this, and I hope that we'll be able to see some things in here that's just absolutely fascinating. I'm going to go ahead and preface it with this. Um, those of you that have been around me for a while know that I do believe in the prophecies of Scripture that deal with the two houses of Israel. You have the house of Israel, which is the ten northern tribes. You have the house of Judah, which are the southern tribes. After Solomon, the kingdom was split into two houses, two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom was overran by Assyria in, I think, 722, I think, uh, B.C. They never came home. Later, in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar comes and conquers the southern kingdom. And that's where you have the whole Daniel story, where they go off into Babylon for 70 years, Babylon gets taken over. Anyhow, King Cyrus says, 
you guys can go back home, rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple. And so the tribes of Judah come back. There are a lot of people that say all of this two-house stuff is not important. Everybody came back when they came back from Babylon. I'm going to show you again because we're going to read the Bible in what? We're going to read the Bible in context. That is the king of rules in, the, in hermeneutics. How you study the Bible. You always read it in context. Stop cherry picking verses. You read it in context. The second rule is your first interpretation of Scripture should always be the simple surface meaning of the words. If you read it in context, who's talking to who? What's the issue they're dealing with? What did he say? Um, The third rule is to let Scripture interpret Scripture. You do that before you get into all these uh, mythical and uh, other deeper reasons or truths that you can pull out of Scripture. It doesn't mean that those aren't there. It just means you need to just read what it says. It's not that hard. I hope we can see through here uh, how that that just simply couldn't have been. That, that can't be. The two houses didn't come back. It didn't happen. And, well, part of the proof is you're still here. You, you want to go, duh? I mean, we're not in Israel, right? So let, let's read through this, and I want to show you some things. It's just absolutely fascinating. So starting at the first part here in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 32, and they read this, let me, let me say this, they read this section because it is also tied to the first exodus, okay, uh, when they came out of Egypt. <clears throat> so here in verse 32, it says, yet he remains at Nob that day, he shakes his fist at the mountain of the daughter of Zion, that's Zion, the hill of Jerusalem. Look, the master, Yahovah of hosts, is lopping off a branch with an awesome crash, and the tall ones are cut down, and the lofty ones are laid low. And he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall as a mighty one. And a rod shall come forth from the stump of Yaishi, which would, would be Jesse, that's if you've got it in your, uh, some other translations. And a sprout from his roots shall bear fruit. The spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of Yahovah. I want to stop there for a second, and I want to help you see, or hopefully we can see here. Right here, he's talking about the end of days. He's talking about the final judgment, the end of time, when everything is brought to completion. And he's saying that he's going to deal with everybody right here at Jerusalem. And he's going to do this with a rod of iron, and all the mighty ones are going to fall, and God is going to deal out with justice. And he's going to do this through Yeshua. Okay? Has that happened yet? It hasn't happened yet, right? Yeshua came 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, buried three days later, rose 
ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. One day is like a thousand years to the Lord, so he's been gone two days. He's going to come back and reign for a thousand years, which is the third day. Um, and we believe, I believe that's going to happen fairly soon. Uh, so this hasn't happened yet, what's being described here. We have to continue reading because we're going to read it in context so that all this will make sense, right? So if you move on to verse 3, it says, And he shall make him breathe in the fear of Yahovah, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and shall decide with straightness for the meek ones of the earth, and shall smite the earth with, a, with the rod of his mouth, and slay the wrong with the breath of his lips. Now, for those of you that have been here, that when we went through the... Does that sound familiar when we went through the book of Revelation, right? I mean, your, your thoughts should have gone, oh, wow, that's right there at the end of Revelation. Uh, and that's what he's describing right here. So once again, the whole book of Revelation hasn't unfolded yet, right? So one, it, it hasn't happened yet. I want you to see a few other things here in this passage. Because it says, uh, and I've got this here for you once again in the Scriptures. There at the start it says, And shall make him breathe in the fear of Yahovah. What that's saying there is, and if you have a different translation there, it probably says something like, He's going to delight in, or he will take delight, or his delight shall be in the fear of Yahovah. Now, folks, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you're shaking. Um, the Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's remembering that he's holy. He loves you, but we need to understand something. He's not your buddy. He's not your running buddy. <laughs> he loves you, but we cannot ever forget He's holy. He is other than. We are made in His image. We didn't make Him in our image. That's idol worship. We should never forget that. The hard part is we are self-centered, egotistical, People, we actually think everything revolves around us. We actually think our salvation revolves around us. Did you realize it doesn't? It revolves around Him. He's glorifying Himself. He will glorify Himself through our salvation and the others that get judged. That whole process will prove, guess what, folks? I'm God, you're not. I made it, I'll do what I want. <laughs> because he's going to prove once and for all that he is Yahovah and he is God. Amen? And that's powerful. And so the, the next thing that we see here in verse 4, actually it's, it's still in verse 3, because he says, look, he's not going to judge by what he hears or what he sees with his eyes. In our day and time, that's a good thing to know, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to tell fake news from anything nowadays. I mean, I used to say, show me a picture and I'll believe it. Show me a real video of it and I'll believe it. They can do that stuff so good, it's like, I, don't, I really don't even know what I'm really looking at. 
Uh, it would take somebody like Matthew that, you know, has studied that stuff to be able to, no, Dad, they've doctored that. Can't you see this? And I'm like, no, I don't have an eye for that. Uh, but it says he's not going to judge based on what he just sees with his eyes or hears with his ears. How is he going to judge? He's going to judge with straightness from his heart with what he knows is right or wrong. And there's only one person that knows that. It's Yeshua, right? So he's the one that's going to be doing this. We know that this is who he's talking about. And he's going to judge rightly. And he's going to judge for the poor. He's going to, he's going to decide with straightness. And it says that he's going to smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. Now, if you, you might want to, I didn't have this down in your notes. Uh, once again, some verses popped in my head that I realized I didn't have on there. You might want to write this down because in Revelation 19, verse 15, it talks about how that he will, that what, it, what happens? A, a sharp sword comes right out of his mouth. When he's riding back and he's on the white horse and it's talking about him and he says he has the sword that comes out of his mouth. And those of you that have studied scripture also know what that is. What is it? It's the very word of God. So he's going to speak and he's going to speak the word of God and consume those that are attacking him. In 2 Thessalonians 2.8, you might want to jot that one down. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 is where it talks about literally that Jesus will kill them with the breath of his mouth. When they rise up to attack him, there at the very, very end, Jesus will simply speak the very word of God and boom, gone, done, over. When he spoke the first time, what happened? Creation. Because all things were created by him, for him, and through him, and nothing came into being that he didn't create. Uh, and so when he, at the end, he's going to repeat that and make everything right. So let's, let's keep moving down here. In chapter 11, starting with verse 6, I don't know if you've ever seen this before. Uh, because it says, and a wolf shall dwell with a lamb. You know, it doesn't say that a lion will dwell with the lamb, lion, the lion and the, it talks about a lion, but it actually talks about that this wolf is what is going to lie down or dwell with the lamb or a lamb. Has that happened yet? Y'all know I'm raising sheep. I had to spend a lot of time putting up a special fence to try to keep the coyotes and other, you know, critters out. It's amazing if you start raising animals, it, everything just snowballs on you. It really does, you know. Now we've got more critters, you know, and the sheep like to attract ticks. So now we need to get guineas and chickens and everything else to get rid of those because I don't want to dip them in chemicals because, you know, um, you don't want to be eating chemicals. And so... Uh, and now I'm sitting there going, okay, so now i got to build a chicken coop. And then when I build a chicken coop, I need to make sure that critters don't crawl underneath the chicken coop to get to the chickens. It's like it just, it just keeps snowballing. And I'm reading this and studying this, and I'm going, well, yeah, once again, this hasn't happened yet because I guarantee you if the coyote gets on my property, there's going to be gunfire. <laughs> That's just what's going to happen out there. Um, I've already run some off. They weren't on our property. I was able to just yell at them and, and run them off. But uh, they are out there. We've, we've seen plenty. <clears throat> so, I mean, this just hasn't happened. If you keep reading, it says, and the leopard will lie down with a young goat. Well, that'd be interesting looking, wouldn't it? 
It says, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child leads them. Obviously, that day hasn't arrived, right? There is no way I would be able to sit still if I saw any child with dangerous animals. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell on myself, my neighbor wasn't outside and their little girl was outside. She couldn't have been but about, I don't know, three or something, and their dog had gotten out. And it was harassing the child and actually had it by the leg and was pulling it through the mud and she was screaming and they didn't hear and I took off running. Came right out of my shoes and I had to run a long way and all I had was a small pocket knife and I was already pulling it out and I went, somebody's going to need stitches and I hope it's not me but I won't tell you exactly what I was thinking while I was running but I was just sitting there going... I have to stop this. And so I'm yelling, and I yelled loud enough that I actually hurt my throat. They, the mother stuck her head out while I'm running across their yard. She just slammed the door, went back in, and I'm still running. And the husband comes out, and then by that time, I've already scared the dog off, and I'm huffing and puffing. And I said, look, the dog was dragging your baby in the mud by the leg. And I said, I don't want to scare you, but I was about to kill your dog. <laughs> And his eyes got real big, and I said, that's just what went through my mind. I was like, um, I wasn't even thinking about any kind of legality. I was going to kill the dog. That's just all there was to it. Uh, and that was just a, a dog. Uh, I can't even imagine what would be going through my head or what would go through your head. If you saw an innocent child being attacked or whatever by an animal, here it's saying, we're not going to worry about that. Um, it goes on and it says, a cow and a bear shall feed. Really? Their young ones lie down together, and a lion eats straw like an ox. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. I mean, they don't eat straw, right? Watch this. Their bodies aren't designed for it. So... When this happens, there's going to be a, watch this, global, cataclysmic, geological, atmospheric change. That's what's going to have to happen, right? It's going to take us all the way back to the garden. Why? Because that's where he's taking us. And it says, and a nursing child shall play by a cobra's hole. <laughs> And a weaned child shall put his hand in an adder's den. So can I ask you just a simple question? Is this still in the future? So it, we, we've settled that question that this is still in the future, right? So it hasn't happened yet. So turn the page. We'll go on in to Isaiah 11, starting with verse 10. And I want, to see, I want you to see something. I intentionally highlighted some words for you. That doesn't mean you shouldn't keep this and take notes on it. But I want you to see something here because in verse 10 it says, and in that day. So what's he talking about? In this day, in the future, you can think of it as, if you will, the day of the Lord, if you will, or even after that. It's at the end of time when this kind of stuff is going on, and this is really awesome. 
So he says, in that day, there shall be a root of Yashi or Jesse standing as a banner. I highlighted that for you. You probably ought to circle that, pay attention to that, because it says, so what is the banner? So if I ask a question, it's okay to respond. So he, he told us right there in that passage what the banner is. It's a sign. It's a banner. It's like an Ebenezer stone, if you will, or whatever. It's a signal, a sign, a banner. What is it? Y'all are y'all too timid. This, you're not going to get graded on it. Just Right? You like that, teach? <laughs> uh, in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse standing as a banner. It's him. It's Yeshua. He's the banner. He's the sign. Right? That's what it says. Because we're going to take the simple surface meaning of the words, right? And then we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, and we're going to read it in context. So it says, in that day, there's going to be a root of Jesse standing as a banner to the people. To whom? The nations. So he's going to, Jesus, Yeshua, is going to be a sign unto the nations. Because, you see, unto him the Gentiles are going to seek. And his rest shall be esteemed. Wow. Where's he going to be resting? Where's he going to be? Where's, where's all this going to happen? Jerusalem. Because he's going to be reigning and ruling in Jerusalem. Going to be doing that for a thousand years. After Satan gets released, after the thousand years, he speaks and consumes them all. Then he makes what? A new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem comes down. Awesome, right? So it says again in verse 11, And it shall be in that day that Yahovah sets His hand a second time. Hmm. You've heard me say this before. Now, I'm, once this filter gets off of your eyes, the Scriptures will start to jump out at you. You've heard me say this numerous times that there's another exodus coming. Right? This is the last day of Passover. It's an appointed time. The Moedim, appointed times. They are God's appointed times. We've been over this before, but if you're a visitor here and you haven't heard this, and it says, and they are to be a holy convocation for you. And that's really a bad translation. It can be translated that way. But the word for that is really a dress rehearsal. If you didn't know that, that's what it means. So these feasts in the Old Testament, and this one that we're in, unleavened bread, it's finishing now, is God's appointed time to meet with us, and they are our dress rehearsals. Why would he want us to still be doing this dress rehearsal? Because there's another one coming. And if you don't know that there's another one coming and you're not practicing this, when it happens, you won't know what's going on. It is just that simple. And this is why it says it clearly. 
clearly. He goes, look, let me say it Paul's way, right? Look, I'm God. I'm going to do this the second time. I'm going to stretch out my hand a second time, just like I did it the first time. That's the way I would say it. Now let's look at what he says in Scripture. It shall be in that day that Yehovah sets his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. From Ashur and from Mitzrayim, that's a word for Egypt, and from Pathros, from Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. And look at this. And he shall raise a banner, there it is again, for the nations. And gather the outcast of Israel, of Israel, and assemble the dispersion of Yehuda or Judah. Look at this. Wow. Where's he going to do this from? It's right there on the page. From the four corners of the earth. Once again, when Judah came out of Babylon, they didn't come from the four corners of the earth. Judah hadn't been scattered to the four corners of the earth, watch this, until 70 A.D. And they still haven't all come back. Folks, this is why this passage, the rabbis know this. We're the ones that can't figure it out. <laughs> That's why they have people in the dispersion outside of Israel read this passage every year at the end of Passover. Because it hasn't happened yet. They know it hasn't happened yet. But it says that he's going to do this from the four corners of the earth. Right? Now, if you go to Matthew 24, which is the next passage, I want to read this, then I want to tell you a story. Here Jesus, Yeshua, is explaining to his disciples because they've asked him, hey, Jesus, what's going to happen at the end? What's going to happen, you know, when all this comes to an end? And so you have the Matthew 24 passage that's just got all this stuff in there with him explaining, you know, wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and all these other things. And then here in verse 30 and 31, he says, And then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Can anybody here go, duh, right? So what's the sign? He is the sign. His appearing and His coming is the sign. People always go, well, what's the sign? Well, we don't know what the sign of the Son of Man is. Well, it's because we're too lazy to read our Bible. That's why we don't know what it is, because He told us what it is, right? We just read it. He said the banner is Yeshua, the root of Jesse, that will come and rule and rule with an iron, or an iron rod. He's going to rule the nations. All that's going to happen at the end, Jesus is saying that at the end, this is what's going to happen. The sign of the Son of Man, the sign being the Son of Man, the sign being Him, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why? Because they're going to see Him coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, right? He's going to come with all this power and He's going to rule. <clears throat> and He will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call. Remember Paul saying that He's going to come when? At the last trump. Oh, imagine that. We've talked about that. The, uh, he will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call and will gather His elect from where? <clears throat> 
from the four winds. It's another phrase for the four corners of the earth, the uttermost part of the earth, because it says from one end of heaven to the other. Now, here's where I want to share a story with you. Even if you're a member here, you might not be totally aware of this. We used to be in Mesquite. When we were in Mesquite, when our fellowship was in Mesquite, the name of the church then was called Shepherd's Heart. And we felt that God was calling us to come out this way. We owned a building there right off of Town East and 635, old bank building. And uh, we realized, you know, if we came out here, um, we needed to, you know, rename the church. We just needed to literally start all over. We needed to rename the church and everything. We kept trying to come up with a name. A lot of times churches, will their name comes from their geographical location. You know, uh, Lake Point Church used to be called Dow Rock because it was on Dow Rock, but they changed it to Lake Point because of where they were moving in the, just what was going on out here at the time. But a lot of times, you know, they'll be called that, you know, like Second Avenue Baptist Church or, you know, or, or just whatever. Um, we didn't know where we were going to land. We just knew that we needed to come out this way. We were going to be mobile for a while. We were going meeting, to be meeting in schools and trying to figure this out. And so we were really struggling with what to call the church. I was preaching one Sunday morning on Matthew chapter 24. This happens to me sometimes. Um, While I was preaching, I came to this verse. I'm reading it and talking about it, and I'm telling you, and I've got the goosebumps now, it was like God said, that's it. While I'm speaking, while I'm speaking, I'm, my, my, I'm, I'm preaching, but my mind is also going in a totally different direction, like that's the name of the church. That's, that's going to be the name of, of our church. And I looked down on the front row, and Bill Watson was on our staff at the time. While I'm speaking, he looks up at me, gets this big grin on his face and goes, just like that. I kept preaching, finished the service, went down to him, and we, we looked at each other and said, that's it, isn't it? And he goes, yeah, that's it. He goes, I had the same realization. As soon as you read it, I knew that was it. And I went, that's the name of the church. We're going to call the church Four Winds Church. Now watch this. Because we wanted to be also missional. We wanted to train people how to do missional work, tell people about Yeshua, bring people into the kingdom, plant churches, all that stuff. And we said, so if he's going to gather us from the four winds, that means we have to have been scattered to the four winds. So that's what we're going to do. And we looked around in our staff meeting and said, literally, and I don't, I don't do this. I, I don't do this. But we said, you know, we're kind of bending the scripture a little bit here to do that, right? And I said, yeah, but that's what we're supposed to call the church. That's what we're supposed to name the church. It's supposed to be four winds. Um, my cousin and some of the people that he knows and stuff, they, they live out in this area, and they, he's been Torah observant, I don't know, for 18, 20 years now or something like that. <clears throat> he and I have had a lot of conversations over the years. He told me... Uh, within these last few years that he and and Chris said um, 
when they heard, when we heard what you named the church, we just started shouting for joy. At the time, I went, oh, okay. You know, I, I did. I just went, cool. And in my mind, I'm going, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I was like, okay. <laughs> what is that? Because I didn't even know about the greater exodus. Anybody here ever hear about the greater exodus? Anybody here never hear about the greater, greater exodus? Okay, well, we'll you'll learn. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. The greater exodus is the one that's to come. And he says it's going to be greater because when that one happens, you won't even remember the one with Moses. It won't come to your mind. It's going to be so, so powerful and global that you won't remember the one with Moses, Charlton Heston, and Moses. You won't remember any of that stuff. You're going to remember what happened when he brought us back, watch this, from Roy City. That's what we're going to remember for eternity. And it's talking about when we came back from the four winds. And you're a part of that. I didn't put that together. I'm not smart enough. God did. Why? Because he's whistling for his children to start coming home. And because you're here tonight, you're part of that. You're hearing God calling you. And he's whistling for you to come to him. Because there's an exodus that's going to happen. And he's trying to get you ready for something so powerful that for all of eternity, this is what we'll be talking about. Can I get a hallelujah from somebody? <laughs> so, there's another passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy that talks about this in gathering again that's prophesied about, because I want you to understand something. The people that say that this isn't a reality have to literally do away with almost two-thirds of their Bible. Most of the prophecies in your Bible, deal, there's more prophecies that deal with this than deal with the Messiah. That might come as a shocker. But most of the prophecies that we understand about the Messiah have to be read into it after the fact. When you go, oh yeah, he's... He fulfilled Isaiah 53. Folks, that's why the Jews, when, when he first came, they were like, you know, they didn't see it. Because it, it didn't just say it specifically. This one, God says it specifically, and he said it from the very beginning to the very end. Therefore, is it important? I got one yell and a few head nods. When I ask questions, it's okay to respond. So does that mean it's important? Yeah, it's important. See, the kids, man, they, they catch on to that. All right, so we're going to read this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is at the end of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the retelling of the law where Moses tells the people. I love cliff notes. You like cliff notes? I love the cliff. Deuteronomy is like the cliff notes. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 8, it says, And it shall be when all these words come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I've set before you, and you shall bring them to your heart among all the Gentiles. 
That could be nations where Yahovah, your Elohim, drives you. So he's telling them, he gives them all the, these laws, the blessings and the curses, and he says, look, this is what's going to happen. You know what? You're just a rebellious, stiff-necked people like everybody else. You're going to sin against God. God's going to get mad, and he's going to drive you to the four corners, the four winds of the earth. When that happens, and you hear the, you hear God whistle, you take it to heart, you return back to him, it says, this is what's going to happen because you're gonna, you'll be out among the nations, Gentiles. There's only two categories, folks, in the Scriptures. Israel, nations. Do I have a loose wire or something? Is that me? It's you. <laughs> um, I, I can't preach and stand still. It just can't happen. I'll explode. Um, so... Um, he says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be driven out among the Gentiles. And the scripture also says that when that happens, you'll forget that you're Hebrew. You won't even know that you're of the house of Israel. And you say, how's that even possible? The northern tribes of Israel were dispersed 700... Oh gosh, sorry. Seven seven hundred and something years to Christ. Can you get another microphone up here and this one? Can you just turn this one off? God, so hard. Yeah, but I'll trip. You got this one off? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Israel, the northern tribes of Israel have been gone now how long? 2,700, nearly 3,000 years. That's a long time. My heritage has been away from Scotland uh, 200 years, 200, 250 years. I didn't even know I was Scottish until recently. Multiply that times 10 um, so he says, let's go on to verse 2. It says, um, And shall turn back to Yahovah your Elohim, and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your being, you and your children. Then look at this. Then Yahovah your Elohim shall turn back your captivity from being out among the nations, and shall have compassion on you, and he shall turn back and gather you from all the peoples where Yahovah your Elohim has scattered you. Look at verse 4 here. If any of you are driven out to the what? I underlined it and highlighted it. I blackened it out for you. Bold face. Look. To the farthest parts under the heavens. What is that? The four winds, the four corners of heaven, what Yeshua said in Matthew 24, what Isaiah said in chapter 10. Here he is saying it again in Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's the prophecy. He says, when he scatters you to these 
farthest parts from heaven, from there, Yahovah, your Elohim, does gather you. And from there, he does take you. And Yahovah, your Elohim, shall bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he shall do good to you and increase you more than your fathers. And Yahovah, your Elohim, shall circumcise your heart. Imagine that. Here it is all the way up at the front of the book in Deuteronomy. Your Elohim shall circumcise your heart and the heart of your seed. To what? To love Yahovah, your Elohim, with all your sorrow, with all your heart, with all your being, so that you might live. What did Yeshua say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor and yourself. Watch this. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two. If you love God with all your heart and then you extend that to those around you, you will do what God is telling you to do. There's no way around it. If you truly love him with all your heart, that's why Yeshua said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And it's just that simple. You don't keep his commandments to love him. You do it because you love him. I lost my place. (laughs) Thanks. Seven. And Yahovah, your Elohim, shall put all these curses on your enemies. And on those who hate you and persecute you. And you shall turn back and obey the voice of Yahovah and do all his commands which I command you today. Well, imagine that. There it is again at the very beginning saying something that's going to happen at the very end. And we're going to love God with all our heart, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're going to obey his commands. They're not burdensome, folks. One of his commands is to celebrate. How hard is that? For some of us, pretty hard. He's like, look, put a smile on your face. You're not in captivity anymore. I'm going to put all this judgment on those that are oppressing you and killing you. I'm going to bless you. Smile. (laughs) Now let's turn the page at page three. It says, uh, we're going to go back into Isaiah again. Because I want you to see something else here that is just absolutely fascinating because we're going to continue to read the scriptures in context and let scripture interpret scripture. So you go back to Isaiah 11, verse 13 through 15. It says, and the envy of, this is when, when we all come back, when he restores everything, all 12 tribes back together, it says, and the envy of Ephraim, that's another word for the house of Israel, the 10 northern tribes, Ephraim. So the envy of Ephraim shall turn aside and the adversaries of Yehuda, Judah, will be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Yehuda or Judah and Yehuda will not trouble Ephraim. When this happens, he's going to put the enmity at rest. I've said this before, in Israel today, they are teaching in their public schools how to deal with people like us. Because it's a global phenomenon that's happening around the world. Can I get a hallelujah from somebody? Man, that's pretty cool, right? But here's the problem. Ephraim, those of us that might consider ourselves part of the ten northern tribes or that we've joined ourselves with them or 
we forgot who we are, and when this happens, God will reveal to us whoever we are, what we are, what tribe we are, or if we're a sojourner, and if that's the case, guess what? You get to pick what tribe you want to be a part of. Woohoo! <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> well, a bunch of Ephraimites are pretty jealous of Judah. You know? Yeah. Rabbinical Judaism. Okay, Judaism comes from Judah. Uh, and envious and want to mimic Judah and want what Judah has. And Judah can't stand Ephraim and literally call us identity thieves. It's still there. Meaning, once again, has this happened yet? <laughs> no, it just hasn't happened yet. But watch this, this is really cool. But they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines towards the west. Together they plunder the people of the east. Their hands stretched out forth on Edom and on Moab and the children of Ammon shall be subject to them. And Yahovah shall put under the ban, and I put in parentheses there so you'll understand what that means, devoted to destruction, the tongue of the sea of Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is Egypt, okay? When you see, okay, does Egypt have a sea within it? No. When you see this in Scripture, it's usually an illustration or a metaphor for peoples. A, mass, a massive number of peoples. So it says he's going to destroy the tongue of the peoples, of Egypt. You have to keep reading. And he's going to smite it in, wait, I'm sorry. And he shall wave his hand over the river and with the might of his spirit and shall smite it in seven streams and shall cause men to tread on it or tread it in sandals. Once again, what does that sound like? It sounds like the first Exodus, right? Because there's going to be another one that's going to happen. And he's going to do it with the rivers and the streams. And I believe he's even going to do it with the oceans. That's my opinion. Uh, but he's going to make it where we can walk over like they did that we practiced last week. We're going to walk over dry shod, it says. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? But he says something interesting here because I don't believe it's in here by accident, and I'm going to show you why in just a second. He says he's, <clears throat> he's going to put under the ban the tongue or the language of the people. Well, why would he do that? Well, we need to keep reading so that we can see what all of the Scripture has to say about this. So I'm going to let that dangle for a second. We'll, keep, we'll move on. When you get to verse 16... And down through chapter 3, verse 12, it says, And there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people, those left from Asher, as it was for Israel in the day when he came up from the land of Mitz when he came out of Egypt. Are some of you here reading this for the first... I can't... Are some of you here reading this for the first time? Anybody? Now, isn't that... Fascinating. Don't you just want to go, woohoo? 
hallelujah. What, what, are you serious? He's saying, yeah, look, there's going to be a highway for the remnant of his people that are scattered all over the world, just like it was when you came out of Egypt. Folks, this is why I'm telling you again, if we'll read, <laughs> if we'll just read our Bible, the thought that the tribes were already gathered and all 12 tribes gathered together when they came out of Babylon is nonsense. It simply hasn't happened. We're not even talking about it. Some of you here lifted your hand and said, this is the first time you've ever heard this. And here it is right here in your Bible. I need to keep reading. Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, and in that day, he's still referencing that day at the end when all this happens. You shall say, thank you, Yahovah. Can somebody here say, thank you, Yahovah? Though you were engaged, in, enraged with me, your displeasure has turned back and you have comforted me. C-L-L-E-L is short for Elohim for the word God. L is my deliverance. If you want, you can write over that salvation. You might want to write that down because I'm going to show you something. See, L is my salvation, my deliverance. I trust and am not afraid for Yah, short for Yahovah, for Yah, and then it's spelled out for you again, Yahovah is my strength and my song, and he has become my deliverance, my salvation. Verse 3, and you shall draw water with joy from the fountains of deliverance, from the fountains of salvation. Why do I want you to understand that the word is salvation? Because Yeshua, his name in Greek is Jesus, but his name is Yeshua, and that is a combination of two words. Yeah, for Yehovah, and Shua is going to save his people. That's why it says you're going to name him Yeshua because he's going to save his people from their sins. And this word that we've said, seen here now three times in verses 2 and 3. Once again, when you see something repeated in Scripture, you should pay attention, right? If you see it three times in very close proximity, you should probably put a star around it. You should probably highlight it. You might even want to memorize it. Because God is trying to say, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. So he's using this same word. It's a derivative of it said three different ways that you are my salvation. You are, in, in, in verse two, you have become my salvation. And from your waters, I'm going to drink from the fountains of salvation can be said Dear God, you have become my Yeshua. That's what it says in the Hebrew. 
My God is my Yeshua. He's he's my strength and my song, and he has become my Yeshua. And I'm going to draw water with joy from the fountain of my Yeshua. Can I get an amen, a hallelujah, or something? That is so powerful. You can't even see it in the English. But that's what it's saying. Then when you get into the next few verses, it says in verse 4, And in that day you shall praise Jehovah and call upon his name. Once again, I'm going to tell you again, if you didn't know this, the word Jehovah, his name, is in your Bible 6,827 times. That's not references to his name. That's just his name. That's a lot. His name is not Lord. Lord means master. Do you know what the word, you know what the word Baal is? Does that sound familiar? Baal, the false god Baal. Do you know what that word means? It means Lord, it means master. My guess, and I'm 99.9% sure of this, that God's not happy about it. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells us that. (laughs) Mm. Let's keep reading. It says, in that day you shall praise Jehovah, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, among the Gentiles, among the nations, make mention that his name is exalted. It's not Lord, it's not God, it's not Master, and it's definitely not Baal. And it's not Elohim, that's a title. says, sing to Yahovah, for he has done excellently. This is known in all the earth. Cry aloud and shout, O inhabitants of Zion, for great is the set-apart one of Israel in your midst. Hallelujah. He's great and mighty and in our midst. That's powerful, isn't it? I'm getting a little wound up, can you tell? (laughs) Because it's so important, it's critical, it's fundamental to your Bible and our faith and where we're headed and what heaven is all about and what we should be doing here and now and we're clueless because Satan has done a very, very good job of keeping this from you. And I'm here to proclaim by the name of Yeshua my Savior, Yahovah the Father, I'll stand for it no longer. We need to break that stronghold down and speak his name and proclaim his name because he is God Almighty and none other. So now we're going to get over to Zephaniah. This is also connected to this in-gathering time. I didn't pick these, just cherry-picking them to prove a point. They're all connected. It's just like, like I said, once this filter gets off your eyes, the scriptures will just start jumping off the page at you. You're going to go, I didn't, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't there before. There's no way that was there. Yes, it was there. 
But Satan put these blinders on here through all this false doctrine that came out of the pit of hell. It came out of the pit of hell. And you need to go back and read Ephesians and study it because he says in there, spiritual warfare is tearing down strongholds and all these lofty thoughts lifted up against Christ. It's called false doctrine. That's the most powerful and hideous of spiritual warfare, false doctrine. And it has put the church in change with blinders on. And so when it really hits the fan, not going to know what's going on. So we get in here in Zephaniah chapter 3, and it says, Therefore, wait for me. Boy, that's, we need to learn that one, don't we? Because mm. we're constantly trying to solve God's so-called problems. We think he's got a problem. He didn't got a problem. We're the one with the problem because we think he has a problem. That's our problem. This is the truth. <laughs> he goes, Therefore, wait for me, declares Yahovah, until, until the day I raise up for plunder. What? Well, look at this. For my judgment is to gather nations, to assemble reigns or kings, rulers, to pour out on them my rage, all my burning wrath. For by the fire of my jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. When is that going to happen? We just studied Revelation. It's going to happen at the end, right? Look at this. For then I shall turn Unto the peoples, that word would be what? Nations, Gentiles. I'm going to turn unto the peoples a clean lip. Other versions will say a pure tongue or a pure language. He's going to tell us why. So that they all call on the name of Yahovah and serve him with one shoulder or in one accord. Thank you. I got one. Woohoo. How about another one? Hallelujah. He says, Listen, I'm going to deal with the tongue again. I'm going to reverse the curse that happened at the Tower of Babel. I'm going to bring us all back into the Garden of Eden. I'm going to deal with those that are not faithful to me. I'm going to give everybody a pure tongue, and you're going to be able to call on me according to my name, and you'll stop calling me Baal. And when that happens, you'll be able to serve me shoulder to shoulder in unison. Man, won't that be great? You know how many different Christian denominations we have? 41,000. That's not churches, that's denominations. Because we've all got it right. We, just, we can't even read the Bible. Our theology is so messed up we can count to three. He was in the ground three days and three nights. It's just simple. But we don't want to read it and we don't want to study it. And then it messes up our tradition. Yeah, I went there. Verse 10, it says, From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, the daughter of my, what? Dispersed ones. They're going to bring me my offering. The offspring of the ones that he sent out, folks, that means you and me. That means those that are the believers in Yeshua. That means those that are part of the northern tribes of Israel that don't even know that's who they are. 
3,000 years. I had a tough time getting my heritage past, you're not going to believe this, past, watch this, Tennessee. I'm not joking. All we knew is that we came to Texas from Tennessee because one of my great-grandfathers was having an illicit affair or something, killed a guy with an axe in a bar, left Tennessee, and came to Texas. Woohoo! Yeah, that's my heritage somewhere back in there. So no one wanted to talk about it. Go figure. Yeah, some of y'all eyes this big, like, what? That's what had happened. Nobody wanted to talk about it. It was hard to get past Tennessee, much less Scotland. Then I had to do some DNA search and find out not only through Scotland, but even farther back. And yes, some of it even slants over there towards, guess where? Israel. Why is it my whole life I've had this affinity and longing for the Jewish people, Hebrew roots, and a Hebrew understanding of the Scriptures? I didn't know. Am I Israeli? I have no idea, but I do know I've been grafted in if I'm not. So am I? Yes, because guess what? There's only two types. You can't be a follower of Jesus. Watch this. You can't be a follower of Jesus and be Gentile. Did you know that? It's not possible. You're either grafted in and have crossed over, which is what Hebrew means. You've crossed over from death unto life, and you're now grafted into his family, or you're of the nations. Those are the only two options. So if you're a believer in Yeshua, guess what? Like it or not, you're... Hebrew. Eber means to cross over. Abraham crossed over. Another sermon. <laughs> Let's continue on because it just gets awesome if it hasn't already. In that day, now he's talking, who's he talking to? Oh, thank you. I heard of us. Okay. Do, do, do you feel my pain, Teach? Do you, do you feel my pain? <laughs> so he's talking to the dispersed ones of Israel. He's talking to their children. He's talking about in that day when I bring them back. So he would be talking to us, right? Because we're not in Israel. We're believers. And I'm guessing, well, I know there's one, but I'm guessing that there's more than that that are actually... Hebrew in here, even of bloodline, okay? So he's talking to us. I really need you to concentrate when we read this. I want you to try to wrap your mind, your brain, around the fact that this hasn't happened yet, but God right here is speaking to you, okay? He's speaking to you. And you need to listen. Because we're not in Israel. We're here. And we've been gone nearly 3,000 years. Some of us don't even realize that we are of the northern tribes. And... Uh, 
God loves you so much. And he always has. In that day you shall not. In that day you shall not be put to shame for any of your deeds which you have transgressed against me. For then I shall remove from your midst your proud exalting ones and you shall no more be haughty in my set apart mountain. But I shall leave in your midst an oppressed and poor people that can also be translated humbled. And they shall trust in the name of Yahovah. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no falsehood, nor is a, here it is again, tongue of deceit found in their mouth. For they shall feed their flocks and lie down with none to frighten them. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Yahovah has turned aside your judgments. He has faced your enemy. The sovereign of Israel, Yahovah, is in your midst. No longer need you fear evil. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands be weak. Yahovah, your Elohim, in your midst is mighty to save. He rejoices over you with joy. He is silent in his love. Look at this. He rejoices over you with singing. It doesn't say you're rejoicing over him with singing. Folks, it says God will be rejoicing over you with singing. He will sing with joy over you because of what he's doing with you and bringing you into his glory and mercy and love and forgiveness and proving to the world through you that he is in fact who he said he is. And he will dance and sing over you because he loves you that much. And he knew this before he ever spoke us into being. My, my, my. I shall gather those who grieve about the appointed place who are among you to whom its reproach is a burden. See, I'm dealing with all those afflicting you at that time. And I shall save the lame and gather those who are cast out and I shall give them for a praise and for a name in all the earth where they were put to shame. At that time, I shall bring you in even at that at the time I gather you for I shall give you a name and for a praise among the peoples of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes says Yahovah hallelujah folks that's for me and for you I want you to watch something 
just with what you're with what we just talked about and what you just learned, I just want you to watch and I want you to listen and I just want it to sink in. Folks, God loves you so, so much. And our King is coming. And He's coming soon. And He's going to turn back the reproach. He's going to turn back all of the negative, everything that was lost, all of that. And He's drawing us to Himself. If you're having any issues with your faith in God, there are plenty here that would be glad to talk with you. I'll be glad to talk with you. The time to get ready is now. It's not later. It's today. If you're going to be climbing on a cliff, that's not the time to decide if your rope is strong enough to hold you or not. It's when you're in the store. You don't wait until you're swinging from a rope to wonder if it's strong enough to hold you. You do that long before you need it. When things get tough, you're going to need to know what God is doing. You're going to need to know what His Word says. And you're going to need to be deeply in love with Him because it says that the deception that's coming is going to be so strong that if possible, even the elect will be fooled. That means there's not a person in this room that is not subject to possibly falling for it, myself included. Which means we, I, we need to know what our Bible says and be ready for our sake, for our kids' sake, for those around you. The day, the day is today to get it right. Um, so I'm just issuing out that call. If, you, if you're not sure... If all of this is really new and you're like, man, I have no idea and I've, you know, spent plenty of time in the church or whatever and, you know, studying the Bible is cool, but you're talking about a personal relationship with God Almighty that's really coming back and you mean we're not going to get raptured out of here and, you know, bypass all the bad stuff? We're uh, No. Um, he says that that's not how it will happen. It'll happen just like it did the first time. And um, we'll end up out in the wilderness for a while. And everybody that went into the wilderness didn't go into the promised land. You know why? They took Egypt with them. And it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. We're all filled with pride, self-centeredness, all kinds of stuff, and God's going to need to get rid of all that junk. I'd rather start working on that myself. Amen? And so now's, now's the time. So if, if that's where you are, um, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. I am not your high priest. You don't need to learn a secret prayer or handshake. You just need to get right with your God and surrender your life over to Him. It really is that simple, but I'll be more than glad to talk with you. I want, want you to pray with me, uh, and then we'll, we'll close our service this evening. Heavenly Father, love you very much. Thank you so much for your grace and mercy, Yahweh. You are absolutely incredible. 
Yeshua, we are so grateful for the incredible price paid that we might be reunited. Heavenly Father, I pray that if there's anyone here that's just struggling with their faith, God, that that would be fixed uh, tonight. Lord, that they would find you as their Lord, God, and Savior, as their salvation, as their Yeshua, and find deliverance and help and peace and joy flowing like a river of water, like you said, bubbling up inside of them. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here just struggling with whatever, whatever sin, whatever junk, whatever lies the devil's told them, told us, Lord, by the very power of your name, Yahovah, I pray that you would break that off of anybody here that has that struggle and that, God, you would set us free uh, from any uh, demonic influences, attacks, um, anything held over, even from generations past, even in my own life, murder, deceit. Lord, by your mighty name, I don't receive any of that junk in my life. And God, I pray that you would help others within this room to find the courage to speak your name and say, by the power of Yehovah, I break off any of that generational junk in my life. And Lord, I want you to set me free so that I might serve you in a way that would be beyond anything I could ever imagine. God, Lord, I just, I just pray that that would happen in a powerful way in our lives here tonight. Lord, you are awesome. Yehovah, you are great. And we pray all this in the name of Yeshua, our Savior. Amen. Won't you stand?